This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. Millions in undisclosed Chinese funds. That's what a new report is alleging UC Berkeley failed to disclose. Those funds tied to a renowned university in Beijing known as China's MIT. While debate continues over whether the money totaled tens or hundreds of millions, the university has a different take. At the same time, acknowledging parts of the investigation are correct, like a high-profile visit from Chinese party officials to tour a lab in the U.S. The cutting-edge facility is used for semiconductor research. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. How much funding does China pour into American universities? According to a new report, hundreds of millions of dollars. The Daily Beast calling out UC Berkeley for a deal with a renowned university in Beijing known as China's MIT. The report notes in 2018, the two universities struck a joint tech venture worth $220 million. The alleged deal was for a joint research facility in Shenzhen City, China. The investigation alleges Berkeley and the Shenzhen government agreed to build a 1.7 million square foot research campus in China, but never disclosed it. Berkeley disagrees. A spokesman for the university tells us UC Berkeley did not receive $220 million in funding from the Shenzhen government and described the Daily Beast report as filled with errors, omissions and demonstrable falsehoods. However, Berkeley didn't dispute everything. The university acknowledged it signed an agreement with the Chinese university in 2016 for $19 million in sponsored research, noting it did not disclose those funds at the time because laws didn't require it back then. The school said it did report those funds in 2019 when the laws changed. According to the Daily Beast, Berkeley also allowed Chinese officials tied to the joint research facility to privately tour their U.S. semiconductor facilities at the Marvel Nanofabrication Lab. The cutting-edge facility is used for U.S. semiconductor research. Visitors included Chinese Communist Party officials and the vice mayor of Shenzhen City. A spokesman for Berkeley tells us the lab visit took place as described. As for what the university is doing now, the spokesman told us Berkeley takes the matter of undue foreign government influence seriously, adding that it has taken many steps in safeguarding its research. That includes a requirement that all faculty members must report annually on outside professional activities, including extended travel and research with non-U.S. organizations. Washington reacts to Beijing's ban on Micron, one of the largest memory chip makers in the U.S. Chinese authorities said this week that the country wouldn't use Micron's products for key infrastructure projects, claiming it poses a national security risk. Here's how the White House responded. The White House says the ban is not based in fact. The Department of Commerce is engaged directly with the PRC to detail our views on this. PRC is short for China's official name, the People's Republic of China. Beijing is hitting back, accusing the U.S. of sanctioning over 1,200 Chinese companies without reason. We were certainly troubled by the action and the recent raids and targeting of uh, American, uh, American firms, American companies. Beijing's Micron ban comes amid its sweeping clampdown on foreign consulting firms. China recently raided two American firms, Capvision and Mintz. 
Another U.S. consulting giant, Bain & Company, said Chinese police questioned staff at its Shanghai office. Top Senate Democrat Chuck Schumer says he's talking to the business community and allies about the issue, while a Republican lawmaker is calling for action. Congressman Mike Gallagher is the chairman of the House's Select Committee on China. He's saying Washington should do two things. One, sanction Chinese chip makers operating in the U.S., such as Changxin Memory and YMTC. These two are the most likely of China's leading memory chip makers to fill the void after the Micron ban. Secondly, Gallagher noted that the U.S. should not export technologies to foreign microchip makers in China. Gallagher noted the U.S. should not export technologies to foreign microchip makers in China that can backfill Micron's absence. As for Micron, the company said it's looking to talk with Chinese authorities. The chipmaker added the ban could cost it a high single-digit percentage of its annual revenue. About 10 percent of its revenue comes from China. The ban was not a major surprise, though. Earlier this year, the U.S. urged South Korea to avoid filling chip shortages in China if Micron got banned from selling them in the country. Plus, Micron might have already considered other ways to diversify its supply chains. In March, the company voiced plans to invest up to $3.7 billion in extreme ultraviolet technology, or EUV, in Japan. The technology has cutting-edge chip-making applications. A beneficiary from the battle between two world powers, Japan rising above the headwinds of the U.S.-China tech war and heading towards becoming a semiconductor powerhouse. Here are the details. Ahead of the just-concluded G7 summit, Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida hosted executives from some of the world's largest microchip makers. Among them, Taiwan's TSMC, South Korea's Samsung Electronics, and Intel and Micron from the U.S. Attendee has laid out plans to boost manufacturing in Japan with investments totaling billions of dollars. This, as Washington and allies move to curb Beijing's microchip ambitions. Some $3.6 billion will come from the U.S. memory chip giant Micron. The company said its planned plant in Hiroshima will start producing cutting-edge chips in 2025. Micron is currently at the center of the U.S.-China chip competition. Beijing has banned the American company from key infrastructure projects, citing so-called national security concerns. Taiwan's TSMC, the world's largest contract chip maker, also says it will continue to invest in Japan. Taiwan still makes most of the world's semiconductors, including more than 80% of the most advanced chips. But analysts say rising tensions between the U.S. and China are driving the chip supply chain to other regions. The Dutch foreign minister is visiting China this week. In a speech Tuesday, he called safeguarding the Dutch economy and cyberspace a key priority for the Netherlands. Like China, we have a responsibility to protect our national security. And just as China protects its core interests, so we protect ours. Hoekstra also noted that he shared certain Dutch concerns with Beijing. Those involve cyber attacks conducted from Chinese territories and reports of foreign interference on Dutch territory. Western governments have also accused China of engaging in economic coercion, plus intellectual property and data theft. Chinese Foreign Minister Qin Gang described those threats as, quote, exaggerated by the media and damaging to bilateral relations, reiterating that China and the Netherlands are important trade partners. Another point of debate, microchip-making equipment. 
The Netherlands has blocked Beijing's access to specialized lithography machines used for high-end chip production. The machines are made only by a single Dutch company, and not having them is holding back Chinese AI development. Qinggang urged the nation for access to them during the talks. The two sides also discussed the war in Ukraine. The city of Shanghai is rolling out the red carpet for automaker General Motors. The company's chairwoman, Mary Barra, met with Shanghai's Communist Party secretary. The visit marks Barra's first since COVID-19 broke out three years ago. The city official voiced anticipation for GM to bring more high-end products and cutting-edge technology to China for showing at the China International Import Expo later this year. Shanghai is also encouraging the company to boost investment in R&D in the city. The meeting comes as the American automaker grapples with a sales slump in China. That's over its slow pace in introducing new models of electric vehicles. The slowdown is a problem for GM, with China home to the globe's largest auto market. Based on filings, the company's main joint venture with Chinese state-owned SAIC Motor Corps saw an 11 percent revenue drop as of April. GM revealed last year it would roll out 15 new EVs in China and boost production capacity to more than 1 million units by 2025. Is another Chinese wolf warrior headed for U.S. soil? The Chinese Communist Party's new ambassador to the U.S., Xie Feng, arrived in New York on Tuesday. After landing, he told reporters his mission is to defend China's interests and, at the same time, to enhance bilateral relations. Here's his comment. I am the uh, representative of China, so I have come here to safeguard China's interests. This is my sacred responsibility. I am also the uh, envoy of the Chinese people, so I have come here to uh, enhance China-U.S. exchanges and cooperation. Xi acknowledged the serious challenges facing the U.S.-China relationship. He listed sensitive issues like Taiwan. Xi's predecessor, Qin Gang, was promoted to foreign minister late last year. Xi himself most recently served as China's vice foreign minister. He has been known for his confrontational tone toward the U.S. In February, he criticized Washington for shooting down the Chinese spy balloon, saying this was acting obstinately. In a greeting letter to Chinese students studying in the U.S., the new Chinese ambassador said he's willing to work with students to uphold the goal of serving their motherland and to carry forward the spirit of patriotism toward China. A high-ranking Russian official is visiting China this week, saying the two countries' relations are at an unprecedented high. Russia's prime minister met with Chinese leader Xi Jinping on Wednesday. There, they signed a set of agreements. Let's zoom in. They are characterized by mutual respect of each other's interests, the desire to jointly respond to challenges. He is the highest-ranking Russian official to visit Beijing since Moscow sent thousands of its troops to Ukraine in February 2022. With the war in Ukraine in its second year, Russia increasingly feels the weight of Western sanctions. Moscow is leaning on Beijing for support. The agreements signed include the export of agricultural products to China and joint investment in trade services. Russia's energy shipments to China are projected to rise 40 percent this year. The two countries are also in talks about sending tech equipment supplies to Russia. Meanwhile, in the South China Sea, a battle of the buoys between China and the Philippines is in full swing. 
On Wednesday, China deployed its largest beacon vessel to the disputed Spratly Islands, releasing three navigation buoys in the contested waters. The action followed a similar marker placement by the Philippine Coast Guard earlier this month, which aims to fortify its territorial claim in the area. The South China Sea is one of the world's most crucial trade routes, and Beijing's aggressive actions in the area have drawn concerns from the West. Although Brunei, Malaysia, Taiwan and Vietnam Nam also lay claims in the Spratlys, China has dredged sand to build islands on reefs and equipped them with missiles and aircraft railways. As of now, the regime has built seven artificial islands in the South China Sea, and at least three of them are fully militarized. Beijing has for years deployed hundreds of Coast Guard and fishing vessels in disputed areas. The Philippines is weighing whether to take back control of its national power grid, now partially in Beijing's hands. A lawmaker says the Chinese ownership poses a security threat, given the regime's aggression in the South China Sea. Here's the argument. China's state grid corporation now owns 40 percent of the National Grid Corporation of the Philippines. Philippines Senate Energy Committee chair cautioned that China can remotely access the country's national grid and sabotage it. On top of that, the shareholders' agreement allows Beijing to veto most of the investors' board resolutions. The senator suggested a comprehensive study or hearings to look into whether the company was indeed under Chinese control. Philippine President Ferdinand Marcos Jr. backed the proposal, saying the government would take back control of the entity if necessary. Marcos has sought to bolster his country's security alliance with Washington as communist China ratchets up its intimidation in the Taiwan Strait. Over the course of one week in April, more than 100 Chinese militia sea vessels entered the Philippines' exclusive economic zone. The Philippine Coast Guard said one of the vessels got dangerously close and posed a significant threat to the safety of its crew. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.